Hi, welcome to another inspirational message recorded live at Oceans Unite Christian Center. Second service is awake. Amen. That's nice. It's great to be with you. Um, just want to say, um, Pastor Alex asked me to take the service this morning, so I extend my honor and gratitude to you, Pastor. It really is a privilege every single time, a privilege every time I get asked and given the opportunity to, to minister here on your pulpit, and I'm just so thankful to you. And um, I, if I could just ask each and everybody that's here today, it's, it's the greatest honor of a spiritual son to be received as that as an extension of his ministry, as a reflection of his discipleship. So I just ask, if you don't mind, if you would just receive me in that manner this morning, I would be forever grateful for each and every one of you. Amen. I, I always, always want to reflect him well, and I always want to reflect my God well. You know, my dad told me, um, I think it was last week or the week before, my real dad. <laughs> I know it can get confusing. Um, my, my real father, he was telling me the story when, when he was a child, um, my grandfather used to tell him, see, back home, or what, what we call home up in Michigan, I'm from Florida. You just start with that. I'm from down here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Not that there's anything wrong with Michigan. My whole family's from Michigan, but I'm, from, I'm born and raised down here. But my whole family's from up there, and, and there's like a hundred and 50 plus years of generations of Cornells in one little town. And my grandpa used to tell my dad, listen, when you go out of the farm, when you go outside of this house that we live in, when you go into town, when you go into school, and when you go and do things in the city, you had better make sure you act right because you're a direct reflection of me. And I, like, I was like, yes, Dad, you just preaching. Amen. Because th that's how we should be when it comes to Jesus. We are a direct reflection of our daddy. And when we go out into the world, when we go out into the streets, when we go out and we do things on a day-to-day -day basis, I had better make sure I act right. Because I'm a reflection of my king. Amen? Amen. All right. They put the cap back on because they don't want to tip it over when they move the pulpit. I just don't want to spill it on me. Amen. We're going to talk this morning for a few moments. Oh, by the way, before I get started, because then I will forget, Pastor did ask me to please make sure to let you know. He will be back with us next week as he carries on with his series out of the book of Revelation. So I just want to make sure that you all know that. Come expectant, prepared, ready. Bring your book, bring your notes, whatever you're doing. Taking notes. Have you guys enjoyed that series? I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm not even going to lie. I was very thankful when I asked him, I said, do you want me to carry on where you left off? And he said, no. I said, praise God. <laughs> oh, amen. But I'm, I'm so thankful for this teaching on the book of Revelation. I have gleaned so much and it's been so fascinating, interesting, revelatory. And um, it's shaken me to the core. And I, I think we're only just getting started. So make sure you come next weekend. It's going to be amazing. I want to talk this morning about warfare and surgery. Warfare and surgery. And um, before I start reading the scripture, let me, I, I started off first service like this. The Holy Spirit put something in my spirit right before I opened up. And I think it's, I think it was beneficial to the service. So I'll start in the same manner. 
Do you guys, you've heard of an outlet, right? Like on a wall, like just a power outlet. We measure the effectiveness of a power outlet on the wall based pretty simply just as to whether it works or not, right? So if I go and plug something into a power outlet and whatever I plug into it doesn't come on because of a lack of something, the power outlet is kind of useless, right? Let's maybe not use useless because that can be offensive to some. Let's say ineffective. Is everybody with me? Amen. So if that outlet over there on the wall is, does not have power to it and I go plug something into it and nothing begins to come out of the outlet, then I would say, well, that, that outlet is ineffective. And then I got to begin to go through the process of figuring out why it is that that outlet is not actually working. The outlet isn't any more or less effective based off of the cover plate that you put on it. You can get all sorts of cover plates at Lowe's and Home Depot and really doll up your power outlet. So realistically, the way the outlet looks from an outside perspective has nothing to do with its effectiveness or not. Come on, somebody. You, it, that outlet is no or more or less effective based off of the size of conduit that is running to the outlet. It could be three-quarter. It could be half-inch. It makes no difference how effective the outlet is based off of the internals of the outlet. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? What makes that outlet effective is what comes out of the outlet. When an outlet isn't working... And I do maintenance here at the church, praise the Lord. It's part of my function. I enjoy it thoroughly. I do, because I'm good at it. Come on. It's fun, it's fun to do things you're good at. Can somebody say amen? Maintenance would be really terrible for me if I was bad at it. <laughs> so when I get asked, oftentimes, you know, something will happen and a breaker stop or, or an outlet stops working. We had this situation in the cafe the other day with your grill, Miss Katrina, come on. She said, pass the mic, pass the mic, pass the mic. I ain't going to be able to scramble nobody's eggs. The grill's dead. <laughs> right? What was the problem? It wasn't the outlet. It wasn't the wire. It wasn't the conduit. It was the connection. I'm going to come over here for just a minute. The outlet wasn't the problem. It was the connection to the source. So the first thing we do is we start checking the, the, the GFIs and we run, plug the little things into it. No lights come on. So clearly the outlet is dead, ineffective. <laughs> it's ineffective. It's not working. Come on, somebody. I'm just speaking natural terms here. What you do with it from there is up to you. The outlet is ineffective, so we begin to trace it back, and we go back down the line to figure out we problem-solved to get to the source of the issue, and the source of the issue wasn't the outlet. It wasn't the conduit. It was the lack of power flowing through the conduit, which was back at the breaker. There was a trip breaker. There was a disconnect of the power. Are you connected to the main source to allow the effectiveness of the power of God to begin to flow through you because it doesn't matter what you look like it doesn't matter your shape your size your color your age if there's power flowing through you you become effective for the kingdom of God come on somebody I love it there's so many different outlet covers we can pick any one that we want black brown blue purple metal it don't make no bit of a difference but as long as there's power in that outlet my God I can plug a lamp into it let my little light shine 
What's coming out of you? What's coming out of you? Oh, we could take it a step further because there's, there's something in the electrical world called clean power. And okay, all right, we just carry on. Because if you got a ground that's shortened, it can cause problems. Well, we won't get into that. Is everybody okay? I'll come back to that in a minute. Warfare and surgery. See, as Christians, we really need to make sure that we stay connected to the true power source. The true power source, because it really doesn't, you know, there are certain principles, there are certain things that I can do in my life to, to try to become more effective. I can take classes and, and do all sorts of seminars on how to become a better youth pastor. But ultimately, the number one source of becoming the best youth pastor that I can possibly be is for me to make sure that my breaker is flipped the correct direction and I stay connected to the true power source, that power source that saved me. Because that with which is flowing through me can then begin to flow through them. Is that okay? But that goes for all of us. It's not for just the pastor. See, ultimately, pastor says it all the time. Pastor Alex, he, he says that, you know, we come here to church to be equipped. This is a place that we come to be equipped, to be discipled, to let the word begin to come alive in us so that we can take the very thing that we receive here on a Sunday and take it out into the world Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we come back again on Sunday and Saturday night to get equipped again so that we can go further, so that we can continue to plunder hell and populate the kingdom. Before we get into this and that last rabbit run, and then we'll carry on with the message this morning. It's very short. We were done this morning by like 10, 15 or 10, 20, something like that. So it's a short word. You're not going to get the rambling, Pastor Mike, this morning. I ask this question because I honestly thought this is what I was going to preach this morning. The youth, you guys have already heard this, but do you love them enough? Do you love your family enough? Do you love your friends enough? Do you love your neighbors enough? Do you, do you love your, your oikos, your, your sphere of influence enough? Do you love them enough to tell them the truth? Because in the youth world, little Tommy and little Susie, they'd be dating. And little Tommy starts stepping out on little Susie. And little Bridget decides to tell Susie about little Tommy's stepping out. And girl, I love little Susie enough. I'm going to tell little Susie all about little Tommy and his dealings. I love them enough to tell them that stuff. But let me tell you, let me ask you something, little Miss Bridget. Do you love little Miss Susie enough to tell her the truth? Because the reality is little Susie might be going to hell. It's an example. But do you love them enough to tell them the truth? Because you love them enough for all sorts of other confrontations in your life. And that's the reality of what I'm trying to bring out in that. You will love them enough to tell them all sorts of other things, to bring up other complications, to bring up other dramas, to gossip, and all these other things. You will love them enough for that. But do you love them enough to really tell them the truth? Something that has eternal value. Are you with me? So let's talk about it. Warfare and surgery. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, powers, and against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness into heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, having done all. Everybody say with me, having done all. That means there's a doing. You've got to do 
something. Having done all, there's a doing that takes place. To stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth. That I may open my mouth. Is your weaponry effective if you leave it in the closet? Is your armory effective if you have it but you don't use it? If for that I, we'll get it right eventually, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Spiritual surgery and spiritual warfare all at once. I want to talk this morning um, for a few moments about the sword of the Spirit. Now, we know that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, Ephesians 6 and 17. It says, take and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the Word of God strengthens, it encourages, it equips, it builds up, it begins to disciple. But here it is used as a surgery scalpel as well as an offensive weapon of war. Where do I get that from? Let's jump over to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. It says, For the word of God, the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the, heart, the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. So we see here yet again another illustration where the word of God is likened to a sword. We, we see this metaphor, we see this imagery used where the word of God is likened to a sword. Now, in some senses, that sword is used as an offensive weapon of war. We will end with that because that's really fun and that's where we like to jump and shout and praise hallelujah. But the other side of that, the flip side of that, is this scripture where it pierces even to the vision of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of our thoughts and even the intents of our heart. That means that it's also as if a scalpel of surgery. It pierces even to us. I don't know about you, but I, I've been in services and I've been in places, I've been even in my own prayer room where I've been reading the word or hearing the word or rhema begins to come to me. And it's like, it's just like the word just hits me right between the eyes. You know, the cut. Don't, stay with me, please. The, the cut. And ultimately we have, we have a decision to make once that cut comes. Are we going to receive it? And grow from it, or are we going to choose to get offended? Choose to get offended, because offense is a choice. And ultimately, we're not getting offended with a pastor. We're getting offended with the Word of God, because if, if they're truly preaching the Word, you ever thought about that? 
you know, people get offended with, with any pastor. I'm not specifically speaking about ours, but anybody that comes up and begins to minister the word of God, they begin to minister the truth, the truth. Do you love them enough to tell them the truth, the real, true, unadulterated word of God, not skipping over scriptures to keep the seats filled? The truth. Because they love you enough to tell you the truth. But then they get offended and they leave and they say, well, that pastor said the word of God. So were you ultimately offended with the pastor or were you offended with the word? Offense is a choice. Is anybody with me? Do you hear my heart this morning? Please, I'm not attacking anybody. I'm not attacking any church, but hear my heart. We got to stay in a place. We got to stay in a place. Get connected in a place where the unadulterated truth of the living word of God is ministered. Not some word that is, is mixed and mingled with personal narratives and personal motives to try to do something. I want the real, true, unmanipulated word of God. I thank my God we have a pastor that preaches like that. He just calls a spade a spade and it is what it is. I'm so thankful, and I know he does it out of a place of love. And I'll prove it in just a minute, if you'll bear with me long enough for that. That the, the, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God should cut. It should begin to reveal. You know, the, the Word is also likened as to a mirror. We see that in the book of James, as well as in, I believe it's uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And it, and it talks about that, and, and it's used as that analogy as well. Because a mirror, when I go to a mirror in the morning... Before I come stand in front of all of you and I have all these wonderful, beautiful faces staring back at me. I have to look in the mirror and I got to make sure my hair is right so that I don't get any funny faces. <laughs> I use that mirror to find my flaws. I've preached on this before, mirror, mirror on the wall. I look for those, 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 those things that may be incorrect or may be wrong, and I, and I use that mirror as something to help fix, right? Well, the sword of the Spirit should be the same way, personally, inwardly. When that sword comes to us, we should, it should begin to reveal areas of weakness, areas of brokenness, areas of damage, areas that are possibly things that are causing us to go down a road that we shouldn't go, that ultimately are going to lead us to death or failure in some way, shape, form, or another. And we should allow that word to, to do what it does and cut some of these ways, some of these things, as the word gets preached, is be my inner thoughts. <laughs> on your way to Chipotle, on your way to Chick-fil-A, the most holy chicken in the world. Somebody cuts you off. You may not have said it. You may not have acted on it, but them thoughts. Come on, somebody. If you're laughing, I got your digits. Your inner thoughts, your emotions, your prejudices, your habits, your motives, young people, your attitudes, I wish a parent would have said amen. It was one in the back. Amen. <laughs> Little Tommy left the house four years ago, but praise God, I'm still praying for his attitude. Amen. <laughs> our addictions, our hidden sins, the words should go out and begin to reveal those things. And as it go out, it may cut for a moment. 
but that cut is so beneficial to us. In, in natural world, in the natural world, if I, if I have something wrong with my body, I'll go to a physician. Yes? I'm so thankful we have the greatest physician. And I'm not in any way, shape, or form against doctors. But I will go to a doctor to find out and diagnose what is wrong with me. In the event that something is bad enough in me or, or something is wrong enough in me that there is a way to deal with that thing, sometimes that takes something called surgery right? Most doctors will try to do the most minimally, minimally invasive procedure possible. They'll try to avoid surgery at all costs because there's always complications with a cut. There's always pain involved with a cut. Cutting some old soul ties sometimes is painful. Getting rid of our old habits sometimes is, is painful. Cutting off of, 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 ungodly relationships that cause you to sin and to stumble sometimes cause issues in our life and it becomes a little bit painful. Am I talking to anybody this morning? The cut isn't always a nice procedure. It's not always a, 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 a something that feels great for the moment. Ultimately, killing off of the flesh hurts. If sin wasn't so tasty, we darn sure wouldn't do it. Getting rid of the old man, getting rid of the old ways, stop cussing, stop lying, stop cheating, stop stealing, stop drinking, stop sleeping around, stop fill in the blank, whatever it may be. I don't know what your vice is. I've got my own issues I'm dealing with. Is that all right? But sometimes cutting that stuff out is like, it hurts. But ultimately, if there's something wrong inside of me, a doctor will choose to do surgery to remove that with which is killing me, that with which is causing me damage, that with which is causing and inflicting even more pain and even more damage into my body. So I will endure the cut for a moment to remove the very thing that's wrong. I, again, excuse me, I don't know if it was Pastor Alex or or. or, 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 or Brad Huddleston, somebody just shared the story recently. I want to make sure I give credit to whoever told the story, but it was really powerful to me. There was an individual that had a very severe core, uh, uh, type of cancer, and the doctors were refusing to do surgery because it was such a, um, there was such a high percentage that he could die on the operating table. And the doctor said, listen, I'm really sorry. I don't think doing surgery is wise. I'm very, very nervous about doing this. There is a 50-50 shot. We go in, the, the one slight move, and you're going to die. And the guy looked him dead in the face and said, listen, if I understand the prognosis correctly, I'm going to die anyways. There's a 100% chance that I'm going. So I'd rather take that 50% that I'm going to go and you're going to do what needs to be done and remove that with which is inside of me so that I can continue to live. Are you with me? I know that's extreme. But there are things in our lives that we have got to cut. We've got to get rid of. We've got to remove. In, in agriculture, botany, Anybody will tell you in order to, to take care and, 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 and grow a beautiful plant, tree, whatever it may be, there is a certain amount of pruning that needs to take place. You got to cut out those things that are dying. You got to cut out those things that are not causing you to move forward in order for new growth to begin. See, I'm thankful that I have a God that loves me enough that when I read his word, that when I hear his word preached, it cuts me. I'm thankful I have a God that loves me enough to cut. 
Let me hear that. He loves us enough for the cut. I know it's not a shout me down message. That's okay. But it's a reality. See, our mindset, our perspective of what true love is, is so twisted in this day and age. Because in this day and age, everyone will tell you love is just to encourage and pat on the back and tell them it's going to be okay and all this other stuff. No, I'm thankful that I have a word that every once in a while confronts me. I'm thankful I have a word that every once in a while shows me those things that are wrong, weak, broken, damaged, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. And I'm given an opportunity to respond. What are you going to do? God always responds to a response. How do you respond to that word when it comes to you? And I'm so thankful that I have a God that loves me enough for that. I'm, I'm just as thankful that I have a pastor, a senior pastor, that loves each and every one of us enough to stand on that pulpit week after week after week and preach an unadulterated word, the truth of the word. He loves us enough so that we won't continue in our sins, so that we won't continue in our trespasses. Why? Because he believes the word. Because the word says that he knew you and he formed you long before you were formed in your mother's womb, that there is a purpose, a destiny, and a calling locked up inside each and every single one of you. You were not called to be a chair warmer. You were not called to be a spectator in the kingdom of God. You were called to be a partaker of the kingdom of God in this region. You were called to get in the fight, to get involved in what God is doing. But you got to endure the cut. And everybody will clap and shout you down until it comes to the cut. And then they tune you out and walk out. I know in my own life, more oftentimes when the word comes and it begins to confront me, I'm going to speak for me because I don't want anybody to, to take this the wrong way. But when the word comes and it confronts me, I've learned in my walk, and I don't have this right 100% of the time, but I have learned when that, when that conf confrontation comes to me, and I go, man, God, did you really say that? Yeah. The minute I begin to justify my actions that are contrary to his word, I'm full of pride. Because I'm happy to have this crutch and this handicap to point and lean back to and say, this is why I am the way that I am because of X, Y, and Z. But I know my God has called me to greater and better things. I've got to kick the crutch out from underneath my own arm. i got to take it head on, look at that confrontation, look at that word and say, no, 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 God, I'm going to allow you to do the cut. I'm going to endure the cut because you love me enough. Because you love me enough. And I want to grow. I want to change. I want to transform into that, the very thing that you have called me to be. Okay, now the fun part. That's the internal. But it's a two-edged sword. That means it's an offensive weapon towards the enemy. I know offense is like one of those weird words in church, you know. Listen, I want you to be so offensive to the devil that everywhere you go, everything you say, everything that you do just absolutely just disrupts every plan, intention, thought. Just your very presence in the room offends him. And even more so, 
that we would begin to open our mouths and the things that would come out would not be offensive to the body, would not be offensive to our king, but would be offensive to the enemy as a weapon of war. I'm tired of playing nice with the devil. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Every temptation that was presented to Jesus on this earth as 100% man and 100% God, Every temptation that was brought to him, we see him respond in a certain way. And he responds with the sword of the Spirit. He responds with the Word of God. The Word is so crucial, getting the Word in us. Having the Word in us will allow us to be sharp, to be able to discern the tactics of the enemy. When he begins to come and whisper lies and deceit and tell you all these things, the more of the Word that is in you will naturally, more of the Word will begin to come out of you. The more of the Word that begins to come out of you, all of a sudden, that socket on the wall, that outlet on the wall is not just some ugly outlet on a wall. Now, all of a sudden, it's effective because there's something flowing out of it. Let's take a look at some of the temptations that Jesus had to endure, and let's look at his response. Matthew 4 and, and 1. This first one, the temptation of the flesh. Then Jesus was led up into the spirit by the, uh, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Everybody say with me, he was hungry. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was hungry. That word hungry in the Greek is, guess what? It's just the word hungry. There's no super spiritual background to any of that. He was just hungry. He was hungry. His flesh was hungry. How many of you have ever fasted before? Fasting hurts. I am not a fan of fasting. I'm a huge fan of the results of fasting. But the process of it is a little painful. Even the Daniel fast. Listen, I love food. I just don't love rabbit food. And even on a 21-day Daniel fast, listen, at the end of that 21 days, eating the whole way, I'm still hungry. I can only imagine Jesus, 40 days, 40 nights. He says he was hungry. Look where the enemy comes. Afterwards, he was hungry, and now the tempter came to tempt him. And he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Funny, he's the bread of life. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, by every word, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So in this context, Jesus was tempted based out of hunger, which was a fleshly desire, which I think we can all resonate with and understand. That's what his flesh was thirsting for. That's what his flesh was desiring in that moment was to be fed because he was plainly hungry. But contextually, that was the temptation of the flesh. So what temptations of your flesh is the enemy coming at you with? Because in this instance with Jesus, it was with food. But we could fill in the blank. Go read Galatians 5 of all the different. Are you with me? There's all sorts of different temptations that the enemy will come at you with. But how do you respond? Because you should respond. We should respond with the sword of the Spirit. With the word of God. There's nothing more powerful than contradicting the enemy than with the word of God. So let's look at the second one. Because we see the devil do something very fun here. 
funny. Says we see him tempt Jesus by twisting scripture where he begins to quote Psalm 91, suggesting that if you are who you say you are, harm yourself and God will intervene. Let's read it. Matthew 4, verse 5. Then the devil took him up into a holy city, sent him on a pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And then Jesus said this. It is written again, wasn't moved, wasn't wavered, just gave him the word. It is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. See, the devil will always come and begin to try to twist scripture. If he can't get you to fall in the flesh, if he can't get you to fall to that temptation, he'll come in and begin to twist scripture to fit his narrative. Because if he can lead you astray, guess what? You become ineffective. You become that outlet on the wall that has nothing flowing through it because you've disconnected from God. The psalmist in this moment, Psalm 91, the the very psalm that the devil is quoting, is speaking of a stumbling or a falling, not a manufactured situation used to force God to act a certain way. Manipulation is the same as witchcraft. And Jesus speaks back to him and says, no, 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 no. This is what the word says. Are you with me? Then his third temptation. Instant health, instant wealth, instant power, and instant authority. Does this sound familiar? Matthew 4, 8 through 11, it says, Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you will just fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God for him. Only you shall serve. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Everybody say with me, application. We can preach a word like this. You can read a word like this and go, that's great. That was Jesus. I am so less than when in comparison to Jesus. I'm not even close. And you're probably right. I am as far from Jesus as they come. Lord only knows my heart. Are you with me? But I'm thankful because the original text that we read in Ephesians chapter 6 was Paul writing to the church at Ephesus long after the ascension of Jesus, which means those words were wrote to who? The church. I ask you this morning, are you the church? If you are the church, that means that that weaponry is available to you. But application. Any kind of weaponry, any kind of armor, any kind of offensive weapon used against the enemy is useless if it's left in a closet. If I have some big katana sword looking deal, I don't collect swords. I don't know anything about swords. So just give me some grace there. Is that all right? But if I had one and I had it like hanging on my mantle over my fireplace at home, and I never took it off the mantle, and I never used it, and it just began to rust and collect dust, it would be kind of ineffective. I'm a fisherman. We, most of you know that. 
in the process of fishing, I enjoy fishing more than anything else to reap the harvest of the day, right? I don't go fishing just to have a good time. I go fishing to eat. I like me some fish tacos. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. The process of this is at some point I have to fillet the fish. So I have fillet knives and a lot of them. One thing I've learned over the years of operating fillet knives and cutting my fingers dang near off on a regular basis is that there's nothing more dangerous than a dull knife. Oh, come on, somebody. If you've ever used the knife and it's dull, how about a box cutter, a razor blade, right? And you're trying to cut that silly zip tie and it just won't budge. And when it finally does, it slips and busts off because you had to use a lot more force than you should have had because it was dull, because it wasn't sharp enough to do that with which it was supposed to do from the beginning. And you had to put a lot more force. You had to put a lot more effort and you slip and you end up cutting yourself deep. There's nothing more dangerous than a dull knife, but a sharp knife, a knife that has a polished edge, mirrored finish. I can get a hold of that old sheep's head and just look at the flick of the wrist and that fillet just lays over. Come on, somebody. Is your knife sharp? Is your sword sharp? And are you effectively using it? Or is it sitting on your mantle gathering dust and rust? Dulling with the time and, and, and the seasons. Some of you may be asking me this morning, what do I do? How do I keep my sword sharp? Get in the word. Get in the word. Get the word inside of you. Get the word inside of you. Cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you as you begin to read the word. Sign up for DTC. You want practical? Where the where's the students at? Sign up for DTC. You want just a complete infiltration of the Word of God on a regular basis? You get four or five hours of it on a Tuesday night. Sign up. Do something radical. If you say, listen, I, I don't have the resources. I don't have the time to get in DTC. That's okay. Get a Bible. Get a Bible app. Most of them are free nowadays. Do something. Five minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. Write a single scripture once a week on your mirror so while you're brushing your teeth on your way to work, you're seeing the scripture over and over again. Do whatever you gotta do, but let's get intentional. Let's get intentional about sharpening our blade, about sharpening our sword, allowing God to cut us, allowing us to be enduring of the cut and then begin to speak the contradiction based off the word of God every time the enemy comes. I'm going to leave you with this, and then we'll close. It's a short message this morning. Me and Pastor John were talking earlier this week about, about enduring the cut and, and how, you know, a lot of times people don't like that. And one of the things that I've, we've realized, and we, we were discussing this in our, in our own lives, is that when the Word comes and it confronts and it begins to reveal something in our lives, if we actually sit back and allow the Word to do what it's supposed to do and cut that thing out, it builds faith in our own lives because we overcome that very thing. So for instance, I'll use the example of rejection. If I was severely rejected as a child and I have the spirit of rejection upon my life, the word of God comes as a sharp sword and it begins to pierce and I recognize it. I realize it and I allow the word to do what it's supposed to do and cut that rejection out of my life. Over the course of a couple of weeks, I'll begin to realize, well, gee, I'm not... 
I, I can have conversations and I don't perceive rejection the way that I used to. I no longer feel rejected. I no longer have these feelings of depression and anxiety. And now I can go have a conversation with somebody. And if they choose to reject me, I don't fly off the handle with it. Are you with me? Now, all of a sudden, my faith is built in that area. And guess what? That allows me to open my mouth and speak the contradiction to rejection in your life, in your life, in their lives, in anybody that's around me. All of a sudden, my faith gets built in an area because I allowed the Word of God to do what it was supposed to do in me. I beseech you, brothers and sisters in Christ, allow God to flow through you be like that outlet on the wall. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what that outlet has been through. It's been through a couple different demolition projects. I think this was a, a, I don't know, I don't even remember what this store was before. Now it's a church. That outlet, when it was built in the 80s, had no idea it was going to be in a church. It thought it was going to be in a Louis Vuitton or something else. I don't care what it's been through. I don't care what it looks like. The fact is, I care the fact that it's being effective in the kingdom of God. And ultimately, if we allow God to flow through us, allow the word of God to change us, he will begin to use us. Amen? Amen. Let's... We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more teaching like this and other material, please visit our website at www.oceansunite.com.